Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, to the goddamned podcast. Is it goddamn or goddamned podcast? I don't know. I think most times you say goddamn, but I like sometimes just throwing in the, the ED, the erectile dysfunction at the end of the old damn goddamned podcast. I'm in the Toyota Recorders. The Toyota Recorus Preeding Studio. The Toyota Recorus Preeding Studio. <laughs> it's the uh, Toyota Prius Recording Studio. Oh, and folks, folks, I tell you, it almost wasn't. And if you can hear some noise, that's the air conditioning because it's a still hot as balls here in Toronto. It almost turned into to, to uh, like the Toyota Rav Four. Recording studio, we went to buy a car this week. We did. Me and the wife and the baby, we got... They they phoned us, see, and they said, you know what? You got a 2010 Prius. That's right, everybody. We're frugal. We've been driving the same car for seven years. So you got the 2010 Prius. That car is high in demand. I'm like, well, fucking yeah. Of course it's high in demand. What, do you think I make bad decisions with car purchases? I knew what we were getting at the time seven years ago. I knew that this car was the shit. Resale values through the roof of this bad boy. So they call and they were like, well, if you come in, it's red tag days. My wife was calling it red flag days the whole time. I never corrected her. Not once. Because I'm that type of husband. All right. So we were, they said it's red tag days and we're going to offer you higher than normal trade-in value. So I was thinking, why was that going to be a dollar instead of 50 cents? Yeah, goddamn miserly cutthroats. They don't give you anything. The last time, I got it appraised once a while ago. And then the guy came out and was like, oh, was it in an accident? I don't know what kind of accent that was. I don't know what ethnicity he was. But that's how he sounded. He said, was it in an accident? And I said, no, it wasn't in an accident. He said, no, I think it was. He's like, oh, fuck yourself. Guy of dubious ethnicity. I don't, I didn't hit anything. What do you want me to say? The car's never been repaired. But it's that. They're trying to fucking shake you down. Well, your car's really worth like $2. So fucking... Anyway, it is about that time where we were thinking we'll get a new car. And I'll tell you why. It's like my wife says with the conspiracy theory. She's talking about um, the car seats. She says, there. she's right. There's no way to fit a modern day car seat into a regular car it has to be in a goddamn suv you just can't you just can't get it in comfortably you can put it in the middle in the back seat you can put it behind the driver whatever it is these things are so fucking big the the prius has the most interior room of any mid-sized car that's what it's supposed to be i read it i read it seven years ago when i bought this goddamn car and we we get the car seat in but barely fucking barely and uh sarah was talking to some lady at the dmv and she was like yeah they're uh yeah the the car seats now the 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 government they have a bunch of new regulations so the car seats they have to be huge now to, to fit all these regulations and that's how deep the conspiracy goes see originally my wife was saying that the the suv manufacturers are in league with the car seat people, 
You know, and they're, they just, when you have a baby, they're like, oh, sorry, you got to buy an SUV now because this car seat's too big. But it's deeper than that. This goes fucking deeper. This is like, uh, like what, one of those angels and demons. One of those Tom Hanks movies with that guy who wrote those books about the Vatican. Whatever the fuck his name was. Something or other. I feel like calling him Dan. I think Dan is his name. Anyway, he wrote those those books about the undercurrent. As it, you know, what the, what the Last Supper was really about. I don't fucking know. Listen, guys, I just woke up from a nap. Honest to God, the kid, he's just, he has so much energy that it makes me tired watching him. Which is not good. Because you can't fall asleep watching this child. Because then he will find a way to vault off of our apartment building. He'll find a way. He's very, uh, very industrious, that kid. But back to the, to the undercurrent of conspiracy. So my wife thinks now that the government is in on it. You know? Dan Ritchie? No, that's, that's not right. That definitely can't be right. Dan Ritchie. All right. It doesn't matter. Does it matter? Sure, it matters. Let's look it up. Dan Brown, that's the author. I actually knew it as I was looking it up, but I was thinking, Dan Brown, I, I think that's it, but that doesn't sound right. What kind of what kind of name is that? Dan Ritchie or whatever I thought it was is a better name. Dan Brown, stupid name. So yes, the undercurrent of conspiracy. The government puts in these regulations forcing the car seat manufacturers to make giant seats so we'll all have to buy SUVs. You see, and if you think that this isn't a possibility, then you're an idiot, all right? Because this, the automotive industry, the, the automotive lobby, guys, the lobbyists for the automotive industry, they're powerful people. I don't, these lobbies, you always hear that. Oh, the, the gun lobby. The, who are the actual, like, whose job is that? I'm a lobbyist. I guess that's a job, right? And what, are those people specifically powerful? Or is it is their boss powerful? Who in the fuck is the powerful? Like the, So the automotive industry, so, so someone for the lobby for the dairy farmers of Canada, or a lobby for the... Is it the president of the dairy farmers of Canada who is, who is also a lobbyist? No, probably not. So they say the lobbies have all the power. This is... This is that's how that's how they get you. They fragment all the jobs and the power, and then you can't tell who's the bad guy. It's like it's like when the big banks were failing, you know, down in the states, and everyone's like, "Whose fault is it?" And people were looking around, going, "I don't know," and they honestly don't know because there's it sort of is nobody's fault because it's everybody's fault, but it's all so fragmented. No one had a clue to who they, who they could blame. You know, there's a couple of people they could point to at the top, sort of, but not really. I guess, I bet the lobbyists are the same thing, you know? Anyway, the automotive lobby. They're, they've done this shit before, you know? It's just, it's been way less subtle before they bought up all the the uh, electric, oh, what do you call them, streetcar tracks. If you don't know that, this is a real thing. That they, I think, I think it was in the... Um, documentary about the electric car i can't remember but 
like Firestone and and uh, I don't know who else, Michelin, I, 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 some tire companies and like Ford, like some big auto manufacturers and some big tire companies, they just got together and bought up the all the streetcars. And um, there, there were they had plans to basically put streetcar rails all across North America. So right now they're in San Francisco and they're here in Toronto. But it was supposed to just go all across North America, have like an above ground streetcar rail system. It was going to be great. It was going to be great for the environment. It's going to be great for for people. And uh, the car manufacturer were like yeah, people are going to buy less cars. They're going to buy less tires. So uh, no, we're just going to buy it up. And then they just they just dismantled the whole fucking thing. San Francisco and Toronto are the only remnants left. And so and then and then the electric car itself, of course. You know, they, they just bought those up and then and burned them or whatever the fuck they did. I don't know, Ed Bagley Jr. had sent out a helicopter to find out what happened to him. I think they burned him or crushed him or something. And it's just so the, these are those types of people. And you so if you think that it's a far-fetched thought to have that they make the car seats too big on purpose. You're insane. All right, this is this is their plan. They go, they you have your first car, and they give you a shitty little car. So you get one of those little Fireflies, or maybe even a Honda Civic if you're living high on the hog. If you're some kind of rich kid, maybe your first car is a Honda Civic. You know, and then. As you get to be, you get out of university and you're a young professional, then you buy your first, like, sedan. You know, maybe some kind of, like, a, I don't know, like a Nissan something or other, you know? Or maybe a Toyota Prius, you know, a Honda Accord, I don't know, something like that. And then you have a kid. And now you got to buy the big fucking SUV to fit the goddamn car seat in and all the strollers. And that's another thing. The strollers, they're in on it. The stroller manufacturers and the car seat manufacturers, who, to be fair, are often the same company, they are in on it because the strollers don't tell me that a baby needs a stroller this big relative to his size. He's got a bigger car than I do, little Sam. We're carting him around in a fucking, some kind of chariot. You know, the emperor of Rome should be sitting in it. Not a little baby who doesn't even take up a third of it. So you got to get this giant stroller that you can't fit in anywhere. And, of course, all the kids' toys, you know, and then you, you got a big, big-ass car seat taking up all the rest of the room in the car. So what do you do? You can basically have a father and uh, a mother and a baby, and you can squeeze all that in to a mid-sized car like the Prius, and that's it. Don't take another. You can't take another passenger. If you have a second kid, forget about it. And they—that's what they count on. They want you to go get some kind of minivan, then some kind of get, get the Toyota Highlander or get the Sienna, get some big fucking van, and you have to. What are you gonna do? You got two kids and they, they want to play hockey. Where are you putting all their shit? Because they make everything so big. And then when the kids retire, when the kids retire, now when you retire and the kids move out, then, you know, then you go get, uh, 
you well maybe maybe you treat yourself then you get yourself a Jaguar or a BMW or something like that and you be the old dude who's going through his midlife crisis you know maybe the kids haven't moved out yet they're about 14 15 but you know you get two cars one for dad and his balding head so he can zip around and have one less kick at the can being a young guy and then and then they then when you move out when you retire then you can go get a you know a smaller sensible car it's the same thing with the with the housing you start off you you get into you rent a condo or you, or an apartment usually you know when you're young and then you move into like a single family home you're like a, like a semi detached or something like that when you have one kid because there's not enough room in in a, an apartment or a condo at least that's what that's what they want you to think when you have a kid so then you go get a semi-detached, and then you want two kids. Oh, now you got to go get a detached house, and you got to live in fucking Stephen Harper's Canada. That's our old prime minister who wanted us all to live in the suburbs and with giant oil fields in our backyards that none of us would own except the government. That's what they want. And then, and then when the kids move out, then you go back to your condo. Uh, a circle of life, as my wife called it today when we were talking about this shit. A circle of life. I just, I, so anyway, we went to go get the RAV4. And uh, what happened was I, the guy, he's trying to, he's doing a good job. I must say, I, I did, I thought I'd hate the sales guys because I hated them the last time. And uh, you know what, it's like trying to buy a fucking car. Everybody's got a goddamn big watch on, and they're just these alpha male fucking idiots, and I just could, I can't stand it. I can't stand the whole process. You know, last time, I'll, I'll do an aside. I'll talk about uh, the our new experience soon, but I'll do an aside to talk about our, our previous experience. So we went, and there was this guy, I, I don't know, I'm going to call him Lenny. He was our sales guy. And he was just, hey, I'm just, I'm a, I was a, I was a school teacher and I just retired as a school teacher. So I just do this, you know, I just do this for fun. You know, no pressure. Let's just go out for a test drive. Fucking piece of shit. Yeah, you're old, but that's the only thing that's truthful about this story. You're retired school teacher, my asshole. And who knows? Maybe he was a retired school teacher, but he was a full-on salesman and i can tell you what is i was i bring the prius into get service at that same location and i've been doing it for seven years and guess what old lenny is at the desk every fucking day oh it's pretty good that you do this part-time you know in your spare time in your golden years you know just coming in for a leisurely little you know jaunt around the old fucking toyota no lenny you piece of shit. You're a full-time salesman and you're a scumbag because you're a liar. You just, I don't think all salesmen are scumbags. I do think a lot of them are, but I don't think they all necessarily are. But if you just start with that bald-faced lion, just fuck you, you know? And to our credit, we didn't buy from Lenny. So what happened was we had originally wanted to get a Mini Cooper because they're fun-looking cars. And, uh, and I can't imagine how impractical that that would have been given the situation we're currently in where we can barely fit anything in a large interior hatchback. I can't imagine how we would fit anything 
in that fucking you the mini cooper has two doors and no trunk barely a back seat that nobody can really get into it's it's basically if you're one person you or or you're in the french connection that is the only time you should be driving a mini cooper and i love them i love the way they look i still it's still on you know i hate saying bucket list because it reminds me i'm gonna die um but if i had a bucket list which i don't Mini Cooper would probably be on there. I'd like to own one of those things. Although I test drove it, and I gotta say, it's it's like a sports car. It's supposed to be. Uh, that's technically what they are. They're made by BMW, and they're sports cars, and they're really low to the ground. So, you know, it's not that comfortable to drive. You feel a lot of the bumps on the road, and and there's it, it looks like a sports car on the inside. There's not a lot of like like an actual Formula One in terms of it's got just a couple of pedals and levers like there's no no accoutrements of comfort or leisure you know there's no there's no cup holders or anything like that there's like what you can buy you have to buy the cup holder separately it's an extra fee so when my wife she just that that's what got her i can't there are no cup holders in here and then it's just it that it was that snowball effect of how impractical the fucking car was it is not even a cup holder it, and she's right, but we were still, we were convincing ourselves. And um, so I jumped just from the Toyota Prius to the to the Mini Cooper. So let me explain. What happened was we, we went out to look for a car. We had no idea what we were going to get. We were pretty sure it was going to be a Mini Cooper. So we went over to the Mini Cooper dealership and we test drove the Mini Cooper. We ended up going with the Prius, but the Mini Cooper situation was we just, even though it wasn't right for us, we convinced ourselves it was. And um, and I remember the reason I'm saying the big watch salesman is when we went, we were talking to like a young guy who was trying to sell us a car and he didn't think in a million years we'd buy one because we looked like we were 14 years old. We didn't look like we were actually going to buy a car. Me and my wife both look young for our ages. Not so much anymore. I'm starting to, like, it's starting, life's catching up to me. I don't know if it was because I had a kid, but I got gray hair and wrinkles. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, hey, clearly you're almost 40. You old-looking piece of shit. And, um, but at the time, I was fresh-faced, you know? So even though I was whatever I was, what was that? I was 32. I probably looked like I was 25. So people were probably thinking, oh, they're not buying anything. But then when we were about to sign the papers, you could see that there was the hustle bustle. They all got so excited. And so the, uh, the big guy... Fucking alpha male piece of crap. Just he was this Asian dude who was jacked. Just looked like he'd been in the gym for nine hours a day. It's like who is? How do you have time to to be scamming people at a car dealership and also working out that much? You know. Anyway, came over with his watch that was so big, even on his giant arm, it looked like he was wearing like a like a WWE championship belt on his wrist. It looked fucking ridiculous. And that's when I started to get a really bad feeling. I was like, ah, I just, I don't like any of this. So my wife put a clause in to the contract because she's a lawyer. So she lawyered them. So she said, because at the time I had just gotten back from L.A. And I was thinking, what if we want to move back to L.A., you know, if I go back right away, I want if I get a job, hey, which didn't happen in case you're wondering. But I was thinking, what, what if I get a job? can we just drive this car over the border and keep making payments? And uh, the guy was like, oh, I don't think so. Uh, let, let me check on that. 
And then so, but it was the end of the day. So we said, well, then let's just sign the contract. But if we can't drive it across the border, then um, let's not do it at all. And uh, so then we go home and we immediately have the buyer's remorse. And justifiably so. We have now spent, like, it was expensive. It ended up being like $34,000, $35,000 for a Mini Cooper. And it's just, that's it. But to get all the extras on the Mini Cooper, to get, you know, cup holders and shit, it cost a lot of money. So we um, we just didn't want to do it. So we just called them back and said, we're definitely going to want to drive it over the border. And the guy was like, yeah, I don't think we can do that. And we knew that they couldn't do that. So we said, yeah, so we're canceling it. We're out. And we were out. The guy called back actually three days later and said, hey, we found a, a workaround. You guys can get the car and drive across the border if you want. We can do it. And then we're like, oh, sorry, we already purchased a new car, which we hadn't done. But, oh, that guy, they tried so hard. Fuck him and his giant watch. Any hoozles. Then we go to Toyota. Last ditch effort. We even said this is the last place where we're going. Fuck it. And uh, I didn't like the Prius. I didn't like the way the old ones looked. But... In 2010, they introduced a new body. So we see what seems to be a much nicer looking car. And then uh, old Lenny took us out for a test drive, and I liked it. I liked the car. And uh, then, I, you know, all the environmental stuff was kicking in, and it seemed like such a sensible car. And if we wanted to have a family, we, we probably could have. We thought at the time. We didn't know about the car seat thing. And, uh, but Lenny was giving us the fucking runaround. You, you know, he was doing that payments thing. You know, it's only uh, it's only $300 bi-weekly and for uh, 7,000 months. Uh, that's all. Just But think about it, 300 bi-weekly. Sure, don't worry about the 7,000 months. Taxes of uh, 48%, you know, no problems there, right, guys? Just, I'm like, no, no, you're just, you never, you never do the weekly or monthly payments when they say um, uh, about the car. You go, what's? The fucking price of this fucking car, you fucking idiot. That's what. That's exactly how you say it. Just like that. People love it. <laughs> no, but my brother said that to me. He said, you just, you say, okay, what is the price of this car? I'm buying this car cash. That's what you say. I'm buying this car cash. What is the price of this car? And then when they tell you the price of the car, um, then you go, okay, great. Now let's talk about maybe leasing it or financing it or payment schedule. So, and you can work with that. But once you know the numbers, like, oh, this car costs 29000 But you do that bi-weekly shit without actually crunching the numbers. And then when they, with the taxes and the fucking little, little things they put in there, it, it, your $29,000 car is $40,000. So, so anyway, we, we could tell old Lenny was, was being a, a, a scumbag. And I didn't believe his stupid story about his part-time, you know, golden years nonsense so we um we just walked away and we didn't do that thing where we were trying to prove a point by walking away we uh we simply didn't want to buy it um we we'd been soured on the whole experience and then so we start to leave and then this guy comes running out this indian guy named hardeep i remember because hardeep seriously that's your name hard deep hard and deep Anybody? Yeah? Okay. You're with me on that. But now Hardeep's a great guy. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not sitting here ripping on Hardeep just because that's his name. You know, that his name sounds like you know, the most successful porn of all time. But 
he just said, hey, could you guys come back in here for a second when, when he saw us leaving? And I saw Lenny's face, and it was one of such anger and hatred that I thought, I think something good's about to happen. I think something, and it did. Hardeep told us that Toyota's having, if you buy the car out cash, it's having a $5,000 cashback, which never happens. We just hit it at the exact right time because Toyota had some bad press. And um, and that was, and he said, and Hardeep was like, I gladly offer you that because that doesn't come out of my pocket. That comes out of Toyota, the, the company, but not my particular dealership. The the five thousand dollar cashback is is coming from corporate, not from me. So he said, I can give you a great deal on this car, but you do have to buy a cash. You can't go through our financing and whatever. That's fine. We had a line of credit that was you know five percent or something at the time. So we went and and that's how we got the car. But what's weird is we. I'm listening to him, and like my eyes are lighting up, going, "This is amazing! We just saved five thousand dollars, and we ended up getting, you know, a, a really good Prius for less, way less than I thought we were going to." But, uh, but the guy when he when he did out the payments, they were like four hundred dollars biweekly, and Sarah lost her shit. She had had enough. She was like, "No, I'm not doing this," and she got up and stormed away. And uh, we, I had to chase her down, and I said to the guy. You know, without Sarah in the room, I'm like, I'll call you back, okay? I'll I'll give you a call when we get home, and I'll said I'll I'll explain it to her because see what I I knew what had happened is that Sarah she was just so tired and frustrated that she didn't actually do the math. She just was listening to what Lenny's bullshit numbers were compared to Hardeep's actual numbers, and so I said to Sarah, yeah, it's his it's more monthly, it's more money, you know, biweekly. But it's a way less expensive car. So it's a shorter, shorter period of time that we have to pay. And Sarah went, oh, it's cheaper. I was like, yeah, it's cheaper. And she was like, oh, I'll call the guy back. And so I did. And we have, and now I've been, you know, you guys have enjoyed the Prius almost as much as me, I'm sure. Listening to these podcasts, you know, a couple of times a week. Coming out of the old parking garage. So I was a little nostalgic Felt a little bad that we were going to get rid of the Prius for the RAV4 because that, that's pretty much what we settled on. Because Toyota, you have to go there, trade in the car, and then the um, the only other thing to get is the Highlander. And I'm not getting a $60,000 giant thing, which is the most stolen car in the world, by the way, the Toyota Highlander. I don't know why I guess like pimps like them or some shit or, or they're in real demand overseas, but they're always... People steal that and escalates. Those two cars are stolen all the time. I don't know. Maybe sultans enjoy driving around these giant cars. It's a big. It's a big status symbol, apparently. Sarah was saying in Africa to have one of these Highlanders or uh, or uh, fucking Escalades. So as expensive as they are, they pay like ten times that amount over there just to get them. You know, there's some rich fucking people. Don't think Africa's all poor people. Everybody, educate yourselves. There's a bunch of assholes too. That w- just like we have over here, except the wealth gap is even worse over there. But don't worry, Donald Trump, he's helping us out. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna get that wealth gap just as big as Africa. It's gonna be great. So we decided that uh, Rav Four was the only way to go, and we get there, and the guy who's selling us the car, he's not Lenny. In fact, he was a competing dealership. We fell into. 
a uh, oddly good system of buying a car because what happened was our regular dealership with Hardeep and Lenny called us. Now, Hardeep has moved on. He's gone long ago. He was he was uh, bought by an, uh, a fancier company because when someone's that good, because he was good, he you, you move up in the world. And so that little Toyota dealership in Toronto, I was like, that's not enough for Hardeep. Hardeep needs the world. And so, I don't know, Mercedes or something, he became the head of God something. I actually looked him up after uh, after a while to see if we were to go buy another car. Where And he's he's got a big job somewhere else. So Hardeep is gone. But Lenny's still there because, of course, fucking cockroach still hanging around. So when they called and said, come in and, you know, we'll, we'll try to fucking scam you again, we... Uh, we looked at their inventory, and they had less RAV4s than a Toyota dealership that was also close to us. So we called them and said, hey, can we come look at your RAV4s? We told them the whole thing. They called us. They want to want us to buy the car, or they want to buy the car back, and they're going to give us a good value. And uh, we figured now's a good time to trade up. And so they're like, yeah, why don't you come in? You know, we want your business. So, you know, nothing against the other uh, dealership, but uh, I guarantee you, you're not going to have to leave. And something, and oh, I got more fucking scumbags. But when we showed up, they were really nice. It was this lovely black guy who just did his job, showing me around. He was at, he sat asking me at one point, "Are you sure you you're talking about room for car seats? You you may grow out of the Rav Four if you have two kids. You hear that? You'll grow out of your SUV if you have two kids. Like what? This fucking the conspiracy. So as much as I liked. That guy, whatever the hell his name was, he uh, when he opened the back door to the Rav Four, my heart sank. I said, "This to me looks exactly the same size as our car." And I brought the car seat. I unbuckled the fucking car, which is a, it's not easy. I don't know if you ever installed a child's car seat, but it is a pain in the ass. And so I inst- I uninstalled this giant fucking thing put it took it from our car brought it over to the rav4 tried to put it in and it was the same size the interior room was the same i couldn't believe it i mean the specs see and you're like why don't you just read the specs because the specs lie they include things like trunk space and uh and and headroom and nothing that matters in fact the hip room the width of the seats is larger in the Prius. So my wife, the big problem is she was complaining, she sits in the back with the baby and she barely has enough room to get her ass in the seat. And she's not a big lady. And I got nothing against big ass ladies. Big ass ladies, you're sexy. Go out there and sex it up, big ass ladies. But my wife has got a small ass, you know, which is also, which also can be sexy. You small ass ladies, go out there and sex it up. But she complains that she barely has any room. In the car, so I thought at least if we get the Rav Four, she'll have room in the back seat. But no, sir, less room. So we just fuck it. Long story, super long. It's like a thirty-minute story I just told. It is. Uh, we are not doing that shit. We still have the Prius. It is still the 2010 Toyota Prius. Toyota Prius. Well, I can't say it. I've said it. I've said it too often. Now my now my tongue's tied. Still got the old car. And you know what? I don't regret it. I don't regret it one little bit. I don't know 
anything. The problem is, is I don't know anything we'd want to upgrade to. If these SUVs, especially these crossover SUVs like we're looking at, had the same interior room, that solves nothing. So now we're just worse to the environment. Um, we're driving around a more like a car that guzzles more gas. So it also costs us more money. And um, we get no real benefit. So why the fuck would we do that? And I'm not moving up to a big giant Highlander. So the only thing I'd like to get is the Tesla, the Tesla SUV. And I'll run you about 160 grand. Like the, the RAV4 started at like $34,000. And the Tesla SUV starts at 150. Like it's just, uh, and it's impractical. There's not a lot of those electric charging stations around. There's no plugs in my parking garage to plug the fucking thing into. So even if I was stinking rich, which I might be after this podcast gets out there, you know, this podcast could catch fire. People be like, oh, man, the SUV rant. This guy, this guy deserves to be paid the big bucks. You know, maybe if that did happen, I would still, I would still not get the Tesla because it'd be a little impractical. You know, maybe I'd get it as my second car if I got that rich. But speaking of getting super rich and maybe famous, my wife was saying to me the other day, you know, you got into it for the wrong reasons if you wanted to be famous. And I didn't really want to be famous. I was trying, I'm trying to explain it to her. I'm like, it's not that I wanted to be famous, but being famous is sort of a byproduct of being a really good comedian. It doesn't have to be. You could be a very good comedian that people don't know about, but, you know, the fame sort of comes along with your popularity, your notoriety, your, your, your success in the business. Fame has something to do with it, you know? And also, if you're not famous, you're not going to make any money as a stand-up comic. You'll make some, but you're not going to make, you know, what, what you think you, what you think you should make if you're really good at your job. You know, like old Hardeep. And he gets recognized for his talent. And he gets paid the money for his talent. So if I go off and I'm a really excellent comedian, but nobody knows who I am, then I'm not getting paid the amount of money I deserve for my level of, of goodness. You know, and so the famousness kind of kind of helps with that. People are like, oh, he, I see him on TV all the time. Let's go pay him a lot of money. And that's good. But I'm trying to get I'm trying to, I'm sort of gotten my, I, I went off in many directions, all right? And I'm not, I'm not, I don't regret these directions. I have been doing like YouTube videos for the kids. I've been doing podcasts for you lovely people, you know, and uh, I write. I've been writing screenplays for many years. You know, I tried to get a job on uh, some CBC show recently. They haven't called me back, so I probably didn't get it. But I, I may get a job in TV in the next year or two. Who knows? You know, I try to do all these things, but, uh, stand up, stand up. I'm, I'm back in, I'm back into, I'm all, I've never left stand up, but I'm back into going out to the, to the shitty mics, to the open mics and stuff. And, and I'm having a little more fun doing it, which is a surprise to me. What happened was I, I just almost broke. I almost said, I don't want to do, go out and do stand up anymore because I hate these open mics. What happened was, it's just. I've st- I stayed away so long from these types of things. You know what I'm like? I was like a, um, I was like one of those boxers who cherry picks his opponents. I, I do well at shows, 
But there are often shows where I know the it's set up in a way that I'm comfortable. You know, it's a regular comedy club. There's lots of people. They're often they're sold out comedy clubs, and then I go up and I do my stuff, and I and I, it's my comfort zone. You know, these open mics are not my comfort zone, so I my batting average goes way down at these things. So I don't want to do them. But then that just perpetuated that shit. So the other night I just went fuck it. You know, if you don't start going out, you'll never you'll never do this again. And there's no way to churn over a lot of material if you don't go do these mics and not just do them. Go out and have fun at them. And that's the that's the trick right there. You got to go out and have fun. So I go out and get stressed out and then I hate the material I do if it doesn't do well and I never do it again. Then I don't want to go out again. That's not you got to go out and have fun. So I uh, I just hit a breaking point where I said, you know what? It's either you stop doing it and you go get another job or you start going out to these mics again. And, and then the decision is very clear. You know, it's much better to just go out to these stand-up clubs and work on your material. Because what happened was I'm editing the CD now. I just contacted the guy who's going to do the artwork. That's the thing that's been really slowing me down. I know, it's stupid. But it's just I I hate the idea of not having a good-looking CD jacket. And I know people don't sell CDs, but it's still it shows up on iTunes. It shows up on XM Satellite Radio, like the picture. So you got to have something professionally done. So uh, I contacted a guy who does a lot of comedy album art. And um, it's going to be the most expensive part of my CD because I recorded it myself and I edited it myself. So, but hey, it's fine. And and But that being said, now that I'm getting to the point where that one's done, I need to do another one. Like... I just, I want to move on with the material. So you're not going to move on unless you go out to these things. So I was either, well, then let's stop doing comedy or let's go out. And I think I said that to myself because I knew I, there's no possible way I could stop. Like, think about, I'm 40 years old, almost, I'm 39, and I've been doing this since I've been 24. I have no skills. I don't, I, you know, Sarah's like, well, everybody, you know can do second career lots of people have a second career and it's just the whole thing made me sick i don't want a second career and if i and if, and if it's a second career it'll be something like a playwright you know or uh i don't know something in the entertainment business i that's why i said where i expected it to be an offshoot i don't expect to do stand-up until i'm 70 or 80 you know i'm not fucking george carlin you know but i i did expect to do it until i was about 55 you know and then and then maybe parlay that into to some kind of writing something like that you know you don't want to be hitting the road all the time when you're 60 years old you know so i've been having fun i've been going out and i hear one of the things that that is noticed is that there's a lot of themed comedy shows i'm still not i'm still staying away from that i'm not gonna lie i haven't had the uh impetus to go to these gong shows where if you're not doing great, they hit a gong so you have to sit down or like these critique shows where they, they, they heckle you or, um, or it's a theme show where they have to, where you, they throw out a topic and you got to write jokes about it in 10 minutes and then go up and do it. It's like all this. I was like, no, just let me do fucking stand up. So I'm, I'm gravitating towards the traditional stand up rooms and I'm loving it. Well, I'm not loving it, but it is a lot better. And I'm not stressed to the nines, you know? 
And so I get the album coming out, guys. This podcast. Oh, my God. This podcast on fire. And how could it not be with all of the SUV talk? Is this episode super boring? You know, I don't think it was. I, I honestly don't because I feel that I, I at least I'm either opening people's eyes to the conspiracy, to the cycle of car and condo life, or, or people, they know these things and they, they've gotten validation. You know, maybe you're out there going, Mark, I, I knew all that shit. Yeah, and, and I, just, I just gave you validation. I gave you the confidence to know what you thought other people think. That's a big deal. You know? That is a big deal. It's like uh, atheism. I was that guy, Richard Dawkins. He was um, in, in the opening of, of his book, The God Delusion. He, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a big atheist. You know, I... I, I've gone through my, my stages in life, but I got to tell you, I am much more uh, reserved these days. My opinions don't come flying out of my mouth, unless it's about car seats. But they don't, I'm, I'm trying to judge a lot less. So what I'm saying is I don't know fuck all. I don't know a goddamn thing. I don't think there's anything. I'm pretty sure there's nothing. I, I don't believe in any kind of deity. Uh, but I'm also not going to be screaming from the rooftops that you're an idiot if you believe these things because what the fuck do I know? What do I know? You know, sometimes I think as you get older, if you don't get shittier in life, as you get older, you should, that should be one of the things that occurs to you the most is what the fuck do I know? What, I know everything? Do I? No, you don't. You get, I, I find anyway, people who get older, they get a lot more humble they just realize a lot of shit is hard to do. And, uh, you know, people are who they are. Everyone's flawed. You're trying to raise kids. You fuck it up half the time. Half the time you don't. You know? But anyway, Richard Dawkins was saying that uh, people have criticized him by saying you're preaching to the choir. You are, uh, no pun intended, uh, but that he is saying to people, hey, there's no God, to people who go, yeah. That's what I think, too. And he said, there's great power in that, in preaching to the choir. Because there's a lot of people who sit silently, who feel afraid to speak up with what they think. They think to themselves, you know, that's, the, that's something that I, that I was afraid to say until I heard someone else say it. I think that's the goal. The, the, a lot of stand-up comedy is that to me. Like, I, I hear ideas, I hear thoughts, I hear philosophies in stand-up when I was young, and I would go, that, that is what I think, too. I also hate that shit that you hate. So there comes great, great power with that. The idea of just preaching to the choir. So if I am out there validating you, then uh, you're welcome. Okay. All right, there's a bunch of people in my parking garage. Now, I think this is as good of a time as any to clue it up. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'll check in with you again soon. Uh, you'll be happy to know it will be from the Toyota Prius recording studio. Say goodnight to your friends and loved ones for me. 
I said shut up. Bye-bye.